0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kevin Johnson program. This is episode 15. I'd like to thank you all for listening. As you know, we are on SoundCloud, Anchor, and Google Play under the Kevin Johnson program, where we spotlight individuals in the South Florida arts and cultural community, as well as the community within. And I'd like to introduce my guest at this time. I'd like to welcome Mr. Keith Wade to the program. Thanks for coming on, Keith. Hey,
1: man, thank you for having me, Kevin.
0: Of course, of course. Now, Keith is a lot of things, so I'm going (laughs) to start (laughs) Not those a lot of things, but uh, he does a lot of different works. But I want to go back on how I connected with Keith. I saw Keith in a show. It was a theater production. It was produced by the M Ensemble and it was in their North Miami home. Now they of course moved to a different venue, a larger venue, but it was the music lesson, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, The Piano Lesson. Thank you. The Piano Lesson by August Wilson. Do you happen to remember how long ago that was?
1: Man, that was. That was 2000. Maybe seven? Okay. Okay. 2007.
2: Okay.
0: Okay.
1: About
2: 10
0: years ago. Right. Yeah. That is the first time that i saw you and the funny thing is that you were playing an older character uh i would say about i don't know 20 30 years older than you actually are and with the power of makeup i didn't actually realize how young you were (laughs) out of that makeup so uh that that was uh that's a true test of your uh artistic ability there And the other standpoint of the piano lesson was that there was another gentleman in that cast that actually Mm -hmm. went on to do superior things after that. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that Mm -hmm. man's name?
1: Oh, I do. Jerome McCraney. Played Lima.
0: Right, right. If you don't know...
1: Well, there's a couple of amazing people in that. There was like Terrell McCraney and Stacey Ann Rose. mm -hmm, um, Mm-hmm. So
2: Stacey's
1: now, you know, pretty big. She's on Ballers and a couple other television shows. And Terrell, of course, you know, got an Oscar
0: under his belt. Right, right.
1: Serious serious production.
0: Yes, yes. I remember. He gonna give me my ham.
1: (laughs) That was actually from... Two
0: trains running, which I was in with the Almensemble as well. Uh, I think to okay, so please forgive me because no, right, because I believe that was the that was the first time that I saw you. Now, I'm trying to think, was the mu was the piano lesson and two trains running, were they in the same season? Yeah, they
1: they was in the same theater.
0: No, the same season. Was it the no, same no, no, no. season? They probably
1: they probably, um, they probably, did, I think, if I remember correctly, they did uh, Piano Lesson around 2007, 2006, and then uh, Two Trains Running might have been around 2008,
2: I think.
0: Okay, 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 okay.
1: Either that, Either that or um, Joe Turner's Come and Gone maybe around 2008. I, I remember, you know, they were doing their... Um, they're on the cycle, so I think in order, it might have been um, piano lesson, two trains running, and then Joe um, Turner's coming on, probably about
0: 2008. Right. Now, like I said, we're going we're going back 10, 11 years now, so mm-hmm. um, were you also, and please forgive me, were you also in Jitney?
1: Yes, I was.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you basically must have ran that August Wilson gamut then.
1: Listen, man, I'm so honored to be have been in so many August Wilson productions. Most of directed by um, my, my good friend and mentor John Pryor. Right. Um. But you know he started using me in August Wilson pieces when I was attending Miami Dade. Okay. Um. And I just kind of caught a, caught a rhythm for it. Um, but I've been in now I want to say seven of the seven of the ten August Wilson um, pieces from his uh, Century Cycle Um, I've been in Joe Turner's Come and Gone um, Seven Guitars Two Trains Running Fences Piano Lesson Jitney um uh um oh, oh um Radio Golf
0: okay okay
1: and so the only ones I'm missing are Jim the Ocean, um, of the Ocean um Jim of the Ocean yeah, King Hadley II and um
0: Ma Rainey's Black Bottom Ma
1: Rainey's
0: Black Bottom yeah okay okay so Let's go back further. You are a Florida boy, right? Born and yeah, raised.
1: Born and raised in the county county of day, baby. <laughs> I came three oh five till I die, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's my that's my other side. When you when you get into it, when you start talking about Miami, I I kinda of re, revert pervert into my <laughs> more late like City
0: So, Oh, this is gonna be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. So what part of Miami were you uh, born and raised in? I was born uh, at
2: Baptist Hospital, which is like South Miami. Okay. But but I was raised
1: in Miami Gardens, Miami Gardens area. Okay. We used to call it Cheryl City, but now it's Miami Gardens. Okay. Uh, Miami Gardens, New Orleans area. Like I, I'm just one of those dudes. Like I've been, I've been blessed to be like around the country doing my, you know, doing this acting thing, but. Miami will always be home. Like I, uh, I was just mentioning to somebody else that uh, I don't care where else I go or where else I um have to work. Miami will always be home.
0: Mm. Great, great, great. Um. So when did you start? Um. Just working on the stage. I mean, how old were you then?
1: I was 13 years old, man. My um, and I tell people this all the time and they kind of like always shocked but what is this happening yeah uh, I was 13 years old and me and my mom were homeless we didn't have no place to stay we were sleeping in our car
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, my mom was good friends with uh, Pat Williams who was the co who was the co founder co-owner of the M. Ensemble theater company and okay. she's like listen Barbara I want you to you know come work for us So, when she would come to work for the M Ensemble, because we pretty much had no place else to go, I would just be there in the theater, like, day and night. And so, it really, in a very literal way, became home for me. So,
0: you um, grew up with the M Ensemble?
1: Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I was there, uh, 13 years old. Uh, The first show I ever saw there was uh, the College Museum. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. The first show I ever saw that was the Color Museum. So I just, I was uh, an assistant stage manager for that show. So that was like the first uh, check I ever got for anything. And okay. I was uh, work, working in their um, youth theater. And i never forget, my first check was like $125. I was happy as a, you know.
2: Of course.
0: I was happy. <laughs> I Wow! Now where was this? Because I know the M has bounced around so many times through its, you know, mm-hmm. over forty year career. Yeah, this was when
2: they were in the Bakehouse Art Complex. Okay. Yeah, this that's that's
1: in what's now called Greenwood. Right? Okay. Yeah, it was the Bakehouse Art Complex. Okay.
2: My home, my home
0: literally. Hmm. So from working out backstage, when did you get on stage and what was the first role that you got paid for on stage?
1: Uh well besides the um the youth program that they were running, the first official role I had was in um Rain Hansbury's um A Raisin in the Sun and just so happened Joe Marie Payton was in that show as well.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, so I was I was a little boy in a raisin in the sun. And paid to,
0: to be an actor. Okay, great,
1: mm-hmm.
0: great, great. So, you pursued theater, of course. Um, did you? Uh, did your high school at that time have a performing arts program?
1: I um I went from Northern, who had, was like at the at the time they were the premiere, and they still are under Um Tanisha Fadel, like a premiere arts magnet for theater i wasn't in the theater magnet i just kind of was i was in the professional realm but i was never in the arts magnet so okay. uh, a lot of my friends went to new world or whatever i just went to norland senior and then american high and it wasn't until i got to american high that i found the D- deanne high who was the theater teacher there um it kind of took me under a wing and was like, listen, I need you to, you know, pick up this theater bug again because I kind of let it go
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, between middle school and my uh, junior year high school because I was pursuing uh, being a writer. I was an intern and a cover reporter for uh, the Miami Herald.
0: Okay. I did so I, know. I was...
1: Um, really, really focused on being a journalist at that particular time until I kinda got back into theater.
0: Okay. And then when I i take it you graduated from American High?
1: Yep. I graduated from American Senior High School and you know, um Deanne Klein, the late great Deanne Klein, she kinda made sure I was on the straight and narrow and I was so um into my writing and Thought that I was just gonna go to Hollywood and be a writer and an
2: actor,
1: mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't even planning on going to college. Mm. I was just like, Mm-mm, I ain't going to no college. What do I need that for? Hmm. But luckily, my old mentor came back into my life and was like, "Boy, don't be stupid. Come over to Miami Dade." So and that was John Pryor. I went a,
2: yeah. Okay. So I went to Miami Dade and I had
1: a scholarship from there to be in that program under um, John Pryor and. And Barbara Lowry, and mm-hmm. they really, you know, just took my took my entire career and took everything that it was theater for me, and just
2: brought
0: it to another new new level. Mm. Great. Now, did you you uh, now back then uh, was that was Miami Dade uh, Community College, or did they have the mm-hmm. four year program? Yeah. At the... No, they, it was just Miami
1: Dade Community College.
0: Right okay. Now. Okay after Miami-Dade, did you go to another college or did you just go straight into performance after that?
1: No, actually, my path is been like you know, I guess, not to get super religious, but the Bible says the path of the, um, the steps of the righteous order. ordered. Um, I was at Miami-Dade and we went to something called the Florida Theater Conference. And um, just auditioning and performing and of those, Students that was there competing at the Florida Theater Conference, I was ranked uh, one of the top 10 theater students in the state of Florida. Okay. And uh, because of my performance and, and excelling in, in that particular venue, I was asked to come to the Southeastern Theater Conference. Um, so at the Southeastern Theater Conference, I um, was seen by some folks at Albany State University. Um, and I didn't even know there was an Albany State University, but they saw me and they were like, yo, we want you to be a building block for our program, so come on through.
0: So I was like, okay. And where uh, where's Albany State uh, reside? Where does that Where is that based out of?
1: Now, a lot of people say Albany, which is New York, but
0: when I say Albany, I mean Georgia. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I right. was
1: in, um, in Albany,
0: Georgia. Okay, okay. So after you know you got your uh, degree from Albany State, um, uh-huh. you uh, came back here and you just worked um, from there. Um, I know. Yeah. Th- that, yeah. Okay. And I'm sorry, I'm no, Did I was. was I was saying that um, once you graduated from uh, Albany State, um, you just uh, came back here and you just uh, started working, correct? It, it, yeah, it's an interesting thing, man. Like, I came
1: out of Albany State, and I, of course I would come home for, for summers for school. And just after graduation, I had um, an a old friend of mine, LaShondra uh, Whitaker, and she, we we were in the woods together at at Miami Dade, and she was just always so fond of me, and I was really fond of her. So she um she heard I was home for one summer, and she's like, "Listen, why don't you come over and meet my mom?" And I was like, "Okay, what you what do you mean?" She's like, "Well, she she runs the arts and the park program for Miami Dade uh, Parks and Recreation, so." You know, maybe you can get a job from her. And I was like, "Cool, no problem." So I went over and met another one of my mentors, Sandra Rivers, and just you know, she was uh, a taskmaster to say the least, but just an amazing woman who was trained, who actually trained over Winfrey. She was like really an amazing person, um, and she immediately like, "Look, you're gonna come and work for me." So as soon as I finished that opening state I um I became theater coordinator from Metro Day Parks and Recreation, you know, just art teaching theater in the parks, all up and down Dade County. Hmm. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. And how long did you do that for? Man, I did that for about two or three years. About, I think I did
1: that in ninety nine, two two thousand, two thousand one. 2000, 2001. Uh, I did that for three years. I did that for three years. Um... And it was. You
0: know, it was a great. It was a great
1: situation.
0: Okay. Hmm. Uh-huh. So, I'm trying to think, and like I said, please forgive me if I or pardon my ignorance, you might say, uh-huh. because the only times that I've seen you perform is either with M Ensemble, or I I I remember you uh, just previously did. Um, Venus, the Susan Laurie Parks play with the African Heritage Cultural Arts Center which now of course has a theater program on its own. So Uh when you now I'm trying to think also of course there is the African American Performing Arts Community Theater with uh, Uh Teddy Harrell uh, who is now Assistant Center Director for African Heritage. But uh-huh. around the time when you were, um, you know, working in the Miami theaters, did African Heritage? I know my uh, M Ensemble performed that Mar- African Heritage a few times, but uh-huh. it was uh-huh. this like the very first time that African Heritage actually had its own theatrical program when it was doing theatrical productions? Yeah, no, no,
1: they've been doing uh, theater for years. You know, the Windsor Arts Theater has been home for. For for different companies, not only uh, in ensemble, um, not only at APAC, but you know I've done a lot of my productions there, like the production that I got nominated for the Pulitzer. Also because these crackers ain't playing, I put on myself there.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: so they've been, you know, they've been a home for a lot of folks over
0: the years. Mm. Which leads me into your writing, because I know that you've written. A, uh, a few plays as well as a book. So, mm-hmm. I remember uh, you had a, uh, you even wrote a musical, right, called Hampton House? Sure
1: enough. And you'll be seeing it again next
0: year. Aha. So, uh-huh. what was Hampton House about for us people that, unfortunately, never got to see it in its first incarnation? Um, you know, I did. it
1: that- I wrote the the Hampton House piece, which was pretty much like a workshop piece, Um, in in 2005 or so. You know, I just wanted to workshop it because it was my family's true story. My family, my mother and my father, um, my mother was a front desk manager for the historic Hampton House in Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, And my, my father assisted, like, my whole family was there. My grandmother helped cook in the restaurant. My I owned a boutique. My uncle helped in the restaurant. My mom actually managed, was one of the managers for the front desk and ran the Rainbow Room restaurant herself. So, um, so much of what happened in the Hampton House had to do with them in a real form. Like, if you go to the Hampton House right now, then my mom's picture is on several of the walls. Okay. So, um, Hampton House, the musical, was just, um, uh, a slightly fictional uh, retelling of the last days of Hampton. Um And, you know, just growing up hearing about those stories, I put a lot of that stuff in there, but when I bring it back to the, um, in my ensemble stage in the near future, I'm going to take a more uh, historic look. I'm kind of rewriting the entire production. okay, um, To do a, a more historical look at what happened with the Hampton House because um, I kind of, in the workshop version, I left out um, some of the real stuff that happened with Dr. King, some of the stuff that happened with um, the riot of 1968 and uh, Muhammad Ali's involvement with uh, the Hampton House and, you know, just my my parents' real interactions with them. Like um, Dr. King... Uh, was somebody that my mom really, really liked and admired, and had some great conversations with, and she was really good friends with um, Muhammad Ali and James Brown, and um, even Aretha Franklin that came through. You know, so all these stories will be retold in
0: the Hampton House Remix, as I'm calling it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this time around, are you funding it yourself again, or is a is uh, another company picking it up?
1: No, the uh, the Ensemble Theater Company is going to be picking it up. It's going to be their production. Okay. And it, it'll be the first time. It's kind of like the world premiere, professional premiere, you know, in a historic... Um, Company like Ensemble, so
0: it'll be the world premiere on the Ensemble stage. So it all of it is kind of coming back full circle. Nice, very nice, mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. Now, other than that, and then you also, you were telling me about the uh, the basketball piece that you wrote. What was it called again?
1: Hustle 'cause these crackers ain't
0: playing. <laughs> That's a fun title. Um,
1: yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, um... You know, I I probably don't look much like now, but I'm an old basketball head. Like, I was a street ball player. Okay. So, uh, you know, just coming from high school all through college and, you know, my early 20s, that's all I did. Like, I was a street basketball player from... We would go all the way down to Miami Beach all the way up into West Palm just looking for different courts to play on. Mm. So, um, that was really my, um...
0: That was a passion of mine that I just wanted to tell those stories from that perspective. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, pardon my ignorance, but APAC did that one? APAC produced that one? No, I produced it myself. You produced um, it yourself. But that was at African Heritage, right? Yes, it was. Because, you
1: know, I wanted to use that kind of um, visceral. Black Box Theater Space and uh, African Heritage and those folks um, really accommodated us doing it. You know, there was that along with the uh, Miami Dade Cultural Affairs Committee. Just, um, you know, I wrote a grant for it and they um, they helped me put it on. So it was an amazing production.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Uh-huh. Now, I also wanted to uh, reach out to you because... I understand that you were truly uh putting a lot of investment in a uh story that you wrote called A Warrior's Path and you even adapted yeah. it to film. So yeah. uh what is that about and how did you get the wherewithal in order to finally adapt that into screen?
1: Yeah, it's um I uh, uh, being a really multifaceted writer i've written everything from the past to the present to the future so i've dealt with the past in hampton house i dealt with the present in hustle and i dealt with the future in a warrior's path
2: Mm i am i'm a sci-fi head i grew up like first thing this
1: morning i woke up and anytime i see star wars on i'm turning it on because that's who i am
0: (laughs) okay so eight o'clock this morning i was
1: watching um actually 4 o'clock in the morning I was watching Empire Strikes Back and then right after that uh A New Hope and you know that's who I am I'm a sci-fi head so um I always wanted to write a sci-fi story so Warrior's Path is um the tale of Africa 375 years from now um in New Senegal and um it's you know it's a it's a passion project that I kind of had an opportunity to take from the stage. I originally wrote, um, a children's play about it. And then one of the, um, one of the parents from one of the, my students, uh, Shelly, Shelly Williams, she, um, she said, wow, this would be great as a novel. And I said, really? And so I was, I first published it on IIP publishing, um, Shelly Paris Williams. Um, so I first published it in around uh, 2000 2006 on IP Publishing, um, and then I brought it back myself in my own publishing company just last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, awarded Pass Alpha, and, and what I did with it is I took, I, you know, I rewrote a lot of the of a lot of the aspects of the story, and I filmed it, and so um, I lace that in a book as well. So as you go through the book, you'll see a hyperlink and if you buy like an ebook or you can just take the hyperlink and punch it into a browser, what you're reading
2: pops up in film format.
0: Okay.
1: Interesting. You know, so it's a, it's a submersive experience that encompasses both literature and film.
2: Okay. Great.
1: Yeah, so that great that's available I, I um on like um Amazon and it's all over now. You can just pick that up. Um so it was a it was a great experience that I got. Like actually some old friends to be involved with it as well. Like I went back in my my theater, um my theater grandma, um, Joe Murray Payton is in it. She plays the um the matriarch of the Warriors Past series. Um I see Lorraine Williams who's like uh 120 year old time traveler from the future mm. so she's 120 years old that she she is from the future that traveled into the past to protect my bloodline my grandmother my mother and now me
0: so Harriet Winslow is in your film
1: yes Harriet Winslow is in my film
0: and and back, you got you know, a uh, you got a a, a teen idol in your film and i really wanted to talk about this debbie Uh gibson how did that happen
1: (laughs) Debbie, doggone gibson yep she's in it as well she plays um my treatment um psychologist uh giovanni washington um she i love debbie since um the 80s you know she was one of those of course She was one of those, like, my favorite artists back in 87, and, you know, I grew up listening to her and just loving her music. Mm -hmm. And so, um, fast forward, uh, and I met her, actually, during that time, I snuck backstage at one of her concerts and was so starstruck
2: that the only thing I could say to her at that time is, one day we're going to work together. Ah.
1: One day we're gonna to work together. And she pulled me up on stage and the whole thing. And I thought that was it. Fast forward 20 years, we're putting together a time, and we're really trying to think about who we could possibly get to play some of these roles. And I said, you know what? I want Debbie Gibson. And my producers were like, what? And I was like, yeah, we need to get Deb. And it's like, Keith, you're crazy. I was like, yeah. Find her people. I'll I'll make it happen. So we, um, one of the producers that worked on it, she found her um, management number, and she gave me the. happened to call the management. I just, you know, ask, is the free. So I called the management, and her manager just happened to be her mom, Diane Gibson. And okay. so I said, you know, I just gave her my whole spiel. Hey, listen, I'm a filmmaker. I've been, you know, a huge fan of Deb for forever, and I want her to be in my movie. And she was like, you know what? Um, We're gonna be in West Palm. Why don't you come and see us? Let's talk about it. Sure enough, I went there, script in hand. I walked in the dress room, she saw me, I saw her, and she's like, hey, I remember you. (laughs) Oh my God. And so right then, she was like, of course I would do it. And ever since then, We've been like literal fast friends. Like, she called me on my birthday. I called her on her birthday. We are thick thieves. You know, we call each other. You know, uh, I call her my sister from another mister. She called me uh, her brother from another
0: mother. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, as far as financing goes, did you have to like uh, refinance the house and the <laughs> car for all of that? Cause he had a lot of man. star power.
1: Yeah, man, we had some amazing producers and executive producers. You know, uh, uh, he probably don't want to say he helped as much as he did, but um, yeah, you know what, John, I know I will say there was two Johns, and if you look the movie, you'll find out the names. But they're they're really humble dudes, and they don't want to. Um, they probably don't want that much credit for it. But two Johns from the Miami community. And the film community here really helped out on
2: funding the project. Okay. Yeah. So they were really great, great dudes,
1: and they helped us get it, you know, make that concept a reality.
0: Great. So now I also know that you have um, been involved in these specific panels, uh, the Uh Heavesdrop, Drop, or the, what is it? The Heaves Drop. Uh, panels uh, that uh, took place at uh, Gigi's Music Cafe. So how did that all come about?
1: Well, uh, Felicia Martin and Fifi uh, is, you know, the founder and creator of Huge job is a good, good friend of mine. And so she's like, yo, you want to sit on the panel? I was like, of course. So I sat on a couple of panels uh, just talking about relationship stuff. I am not an expert by any stretch of the imagination in that field, however. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did, you know, I was able to share my opinion about some stuff. Um, and it was cool. You know, I, I did two panels with them, and I'm a big fan and a big supporter of everything,
0: uh, Fee's doing. hmm hmm yeah. And I understand now that you are, um, on location, of course. uh uh-huh. You are working on a project that, of course, you cannot disclose, which is fine.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um... However, I wanted to get your intake. And like I said before, uh, feel free to disagree with me. Feel free to update me on any uh, any changes. Uh, this uh-huh. is an open discussion. Because uh-huh. the times that I've seen you is, and full disclosure, uh, we've worked together. You've participated uh-huh. in a few of my live programs, uh, whether it was a reading of A Raisin in the Sun that we did. Uh, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and I, first off, I want to set aside, I want to thank you for still oh, uh, participating in the project. I know you wanted to play Walter very badly.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so let's get that out of the way right now. I know you wanted to play Walter very badly, but... Uh, I appreciate you being a true sport and uh, playing a saw guy uh, in, uh, in the piece. the awesome, man. Like, I love to do it. And um, I know that um, you participated in a school project uh, with another gentleman where you read The Meeting. It was a play uh, with uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And of course, you've also shared your poetry with us when we we're doing our poetry events as well. So that's why I introduced you as a person that does a lot of things because you have so many people that have multiple, multiple hyphens in their name. And I wanted to, how did you get this work ethic in order to be a multiple, facets of whether it's performance on in theater and in film was it due to uh your upbringing uh was your mom also uh involved in performance in some aspect you
1: know it's a strange thing like a lot of people don't believe that um there's an artistic gene that gets passed but i absolutely believe it i mean i feel like i'm a a mutant that uh, got past this, you know, this art gene because my mom uh, at Northwestern Senior High School she played the clarinet, and my dad is, you know, back in his day, was a singer. Mm-hmm. So um, both of those people, whether whether or not they perf- per- pursued it professionally, um, they were artists. So it just kind of in me. Um, and it's never, you know, it never, it's never gonna leave. Like I, um, I kind of scoff at people when they say when they say stuff like, um, oh, um, oh man, you still, you still, you still chasing dreams. Like I never chased anything. I've always been it. You know, I don't. I'm from Miami. I don't, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so it's never been about chasing a dream. This is. This is in my DNA. Right. I'm never going to stop being a writer. I'm never going to stop being an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to stop being um, somebody who's going to create, try to at least create art through, uh, through try to create light through my art. Um, that's just like, okay, you're going to stop being black now? Nah, that ain't going to happen.
0: Right. You can't change that. So,
1: you no, know, you can't. That is, it is what it is. Um... So um, I'm I'm just going to do that now. Whatever form that I do it in may change, but it's always going to be a part of who I am and what I do.
0: And now you're going into drama therapy. So how did yeah. that all come yeah. about?
1: Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's crazy, man. I um, I've been a professor at Florida Memorial University for the last four years, and like I said, I. I didn't know how that just happened. Like, it just happened. Um, and I love the school and I love my students. Um, but over the summer, um, a very good friend of mine that I went to college with, uh, I actually volunteered at her um, mental health facility some time ago. And, you know, the kids loved me and they really, were, you know, responded to uh, some of the stuff I was doing. She, so she uh, approached me and she said, Listen, you're not teaching classes over the summer. I need your help with uh, a therapist. I'm looking to, you know, treat our patients and and our students with some different creative outlets. Is there something within your skill set Do you think you'd be interested? And so I said, sure, you know, I'll I'll give it a shot. So uh, she hired me on uh, over the summer, and it was just supposed to be a summer situation where I would use... um, the art of theater and the art of, you know, drama and acting to treat kids that, you know, are having a hard time in terms of mental illness, in terms of emotional trauma, in terms of learning disabilities, um, behavioral issues, stuff like that. So, you know, we came up with a curriculum uh, in order to give them those life skills and uh, coping mechanisms to deal with the stuff that they're having a hard time with so I did that over the summer and it worked really well I guess to the point where they said you know what we don't want to let you go so now I'm there full time as a drama therapist for kids with mental illness and emotional uh, challenges
0: mm-hmm. great great yeah. so to take a bit of a step back you were a professor of theater at Florida Memorial University for four years. Now, did you create that program, or was there a program that you came into?
1: You no, know, um, I created the program. I, you know, I founded the and Order Theater Ensemble there on campus. Previously, um, Patricia Warren, who was uh, the theater. She not only ran the uh, Lural Theater, but she was uh, really instrumental in beginning uh, a troupe there. She passed away, Mm -hmm. and she she originally brought me there in, like, 2000... uh, I want to say 2006 or so, 2006, 2007, to direct uh, a tribute to August Wilson. Okay. So I did, I guess, like a mini-course and directed that piece that I wrote Um, then... Uh, she passed away, and of course, uh, Keith Allen took over the theater and was teaching there. But there were no theater classes offered. There was no troupe, uh, performing arts troupe on campus. So when Dr. Abraham um, had an opportunity, she called me up and said, Hey, listen, Keith, would you come back and be a theater professor here? And I was like, what? Are you serious? Hmm. Like, yes, I want you here. Um, and I think you could do amazing things with our students. So I said, okay, fine. I would love to do that. So I came there and um, just kicked the ground running. And there were passionate, hungry kids that wanted a program. So I built, we built the uh, ensemble from the ground up. And um, four years later, it's they're still, you know. Is thriving is and is one of the premier performance organizations on campus for the last, uh, three or four years. Um, so four generations of people that have really loved and wanted to cultivate theater on that campus have come through that organization. Um, we had one national champion, um, two years ago that went to the Southeastern Theater Conference and just dominated in theater, um. We have two Oscar winners to our credit because uh, Moonlight came in and took my students and put them in the film. So a lot two of the speaker roles that are in Moonlight are they plucked
2: those students right out of my classroom. Mm.
0: Nice. Yeah. And who is uh, succeeding you now? Who is your successor?
1: I guess the school is really kind of going through a period of transition. Um, and I, I'm thinking, I'm hoping that they'll really um, kind of get back on their feet. The students are still passionate, and they still run the organization, or so they're trying to get keep the, um, the ensemble going. Okay, um, but there has not been a success for as of yet. Mm. Um, but I'm really hopeful that that's you know that they're going to keep it keep
0: it alive because those kids they put the work in right now Uh going back to moonlight and your connection with moonlight whether it be through uh working with terrell mccraney and then also your students that were involved in the movie and then of course Uh it winning best picture at Uh the academy awards You were probably here when they were, like, I want to say like 20 years ago, announcing that Miami was going to be the new Hollywood. And now, Uh unfortunately, that did not come to pass. Of course, Uh we had projects that were here that did film here for a few years. But unfortunately, with the politics and the tax cuts that was involved... That all moved away, and then of course you have this uh, movie, this film by a writer who was who is prolific, but was most prolific in stage, and he of course got with a few other people in order to create this project, and now it it's reaping the benefits of being shot all in Miami, being shot in different parts of Miami, winning the best picture, does this actually say to the masses that say, hey, this is Miami, we did this, come on back and let us show you how we can be just a good, uh, viable film market as, say, a... Uh, Atlanta or Vancouver or a Orlando perhaps.
1: Yeah, um, I'm really hoping, you know, this shameless plug, I'm hoping this, uh, our brother Andrew gets back in office, or gets in office because uh, he's made a pledge to bring the film industry back to, to Florida. Um, the political, you know, highway robbery that uh, our current administration has uh, committed against uh, the film industry. I don't I want to say borderline criminal, um, because we sh- we should have and we could have been right there neck and neck with uh, Atlanta in terms of being a production hub for a lot of film and television stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I know personally, you know, without going into um, a lot of detail, I know Terrell McCraney is a big champion for. Um, for film here in Florida because he, along with Barry Jenkins, who's a Florida boy himself, um, and, and, uh, Andrew, um, who's a Florida boy, another produ- producer from, uh, Moonlight. They, they fought to have Moonlight here and other projects here, and they're champions for, um, for filmmaking here, so, uh, it's because of brothers, um, that you know, a lot of us are, are working or had an opportunity to even be in a um, Oscar-winning film. Like, Dang. You know, it's it's an amazing thing. My my kids, my students, were on the big screen around the world because Barry came to the school, because Andrew came to the school, and because um, Terrell has never forsaken Miami. He's always come back and tried to do uh, work here, even to the point where he... You know, he's there at the Cultural Arts Center over the last two summers training the next um, generation of writers and, and producers and actors. I mean, my, my daughter took his program. Mm. So, you know, she's training with Terrell. You know, it's a real thing. You know, so, and it's, it's a viable industry.
0: And that's a true um, testament to people who never looked back. Uh, well, exactly. actually, no, they have looked back. And never, um, how can I say, never despised or never turned their back, even though they looked back and they were giving back. So that's a true testament to these artists that were able to do that. And of course, for yourself, who is rooted in this performance-wise, whether it is stage or screen, that... Like you said before, three oh five till you die. So that's mm-hmm. a true true testament to you as well. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to also ask you, other than the M Ensemble, have you auditioned for any of the other theater companies that? Absolutely. Uh huh. I um I, I was I was privileged to be a
1: part of the um. War Award-winning cast for *Ruined* at Gable Stage.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I
1: work with Gable Stage. I work with Mosaic Theater on um, *Indoor um, You know, several different. Um, you know, not big, big companies like Mosaic and and, uh, and Gables, and, and smaller companies as well. So. I've been doing this
0: for a minute with a whole bunch of different people so I you know I've been really really fortunate. And you have possibly seen artists of color now getting more prominent roles in the local community as opposed to 10 15 years ago. So uh, do you feel that uh, the change or do do you feel that uh, there has been a change in reference to uh, people of color, of course, getting principal roles at mainstream theaters? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for me, I've always loved being an actor with the M Ensemble, not only because of literal family connection but um, that's the big time for me Mm -hmm. and so it's no different when I went to uh, Gable Stage or Mosaic or any other theater um, I felt like I was in the NBA as soon as I hit the ensemble stage
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and I think because now everybody else sees it too um, that it's like I, I've always felt like I was really Mays in the Negro Leagues but you didn't realize I could pitch in the Major Leagues as well. Mm, okay. And, and I think that um now the people are recognizing that oh wow, y'all are just as good if not better than a lot of the people that we thought were just such amazing talent. Damn, what, are we, you know, what have we been missing? So what have you been missing? You've been missing talents like Andre Ganey. You've been missing talents like Rita Joe. You've been missing talents like um, Shia McKinney. You've been missing talents like uh, a lot of these folks that um, maybe you didn't see before, but now you're seeing it, and now it's like, oh, my gosh. So the opportunity uh, wasn't there. I mean, the opportunity was always there. Um, The the certain eyes were just not looking in that direction.
0: And now they should be looking in that direction because the oldest theater company currently Uh going in South Florida swept the Carbonell's last year with Kings of Harlem.
1: Yeah. Kings of Harlem and... um, like we got well yeah of course Kings of Harlem won a lot and then of course the the piece that I was in got nominated as well um, uh, Brothers of Dust for um, Best Supporting Actress and uh, Rita Joe and and then um, and then Carolyn Johnson won I think for um, uh, Best Supporting Actress as well so it was just yeah (laughs) finally yes of course
0: of course And of speaking of full circle Of course one of your mentors Has a theater named after them now In Liberty City yeah. The Sandrell yeah. Rivers Theater Which the en- yeah. ensemble is performing out of Which is a beautiful space Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, thank you to the uh, Miami-Dade um, the, the county of Miami-Dade for investing in that as well as uh, everyone else that uh, got that are involved in that. So just to, of course, finish up here because I know that uh, you've got some things to do and uh, you just uh, you just uh, came into your uh, room there and uh, you're you're ready to go to sleep. I, I understand that. Um,
1: so we gotta get that spring lunch downstairs,
0: dog. We gotta get there, man. <laughs> um, do you find yourself figuring out that, of course, you possibly will have the luxury to travel for projects, but you'll have a base here? Is that something that you would like to work on?
1: Absolutely, man like i said miami's always gonna be home i'm always gonna try to find myself somewhere back not too far away from 183rd and 7th avenue mm-hmm. um you know that's that's where i want to be at christmas time so i can hear me burrito and bonquisha <laughs> yes you know, and
0: of course
1: that, that's, that's what it is for me that, that's that's what home is for me i want to be able to go over to uh, Tate's Comics and and pick up my my comic book, which by the way is coming out later on this year, the Chronicles of Sharma Malaysia. Okay, okay. Um, I want to be able to go over to um, you know Ghana's and, and get some oxtails and and, and uh, rice and peas. You know, I I, I want to be able to go to. Um, to the heat game you know what I'm saying I that's Miami is always going to be home regardless to where I go whether I'm in Los Angeles or New York or Kuala Lumpur or you know Dubai wherever I'm at mm-hmm. you know Miami is
2: always
1: going to call me home
0: so how much uh, influence do you think that you can provide to have uh, the Dolphins host the Super Bowl next year in, no 2020 actually
1: yeah, yeah, they're gonna be in I think they're gonna be there either this year or next year. One of those.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Man, I'm looking I'm I'm looking to buy, you know, you know, I wanna be an owner for the Dolphins. I wanna be right along with uh, uh Venus and Serena. Uh even if it's like a percentage, like a a half of a quarter of a percent. I uh, I just want some seats. You know, at some point, you know what I'm saying, so we can make this stuff right with the NFL and we can have some more uh, orders of color so we can straighten all this mess up. Um, But more than that, I kind of want to, I want to see if uh, Mickey Harrison or whatever will let me get a little, you know, get a little piece of the heat because I want to make sure that they are on the right track and uh, get
0: that right. Right, right. There's a uh, way too many years of rebuilding. Some, uh, yeah. you know, it's great to rebuild, but there's got to be some progression in this rebuilding. You can't just okay. stay in this rebuilding phase. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully that'll work out.
1: It can't be like the church fund where we putting into the church fund every year. We don't see no building.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you gotta have your ROI. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know what I'm saying? has to be something. Don't be the church building fine and we ain't even put a new pew in there. Nothing. No, no. We got to get some, get some uh, results for all this
0: stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to uh, speak with me. And no um, feel free to... Um, Drop. uh I mean, do you happen to have a social presence? Do you happen to have a website? Are you on social media at all?
1: I am. I am. You know, it's it's kind of a necessary evil. Um, I'm on Facebook at Keith C. Wade. That's where you get you know all my my madness and uh, all my announcements. Um, I'm also on Facebook at uh Sci-Fi Saturdays with Keith C. Wade. That's my um podcast talk show. Okay. Um. First Saturday of every month. Okay. Um, so uh, and our next show will be on October sixth, which is uh, happens to be my birthday. Okay. Now,
0: okay, so. is that all? Is that only on Facebook, or is that on other digital platforms as well?
1: Top um, Five Saturdays with Keith Wade is only on Facebook for right now, but uh, uh, coming in October, we'll have our YouTube channel, and we'll be broadcasting on Instagram TV for that particular show.
0: Okay. Great. Great, great,
1: yeah,
0: great. Well, once again, Keith, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me, and Thanks I wish me. you, I, I wish you all the success in the world, uh, because you are once again one of the uh, true pioneers when it comes to this multifacetedness, and also just uh, how you are promoting your home, and Thanks. that is, you know greatly appreciated and it's greatly respected
1: thank you man i appreciate you for always supporting it and being such a positive influence for not only my career but all of us down here
0: of course well this is episode 15 of the kevin johnson program once again thank you so much for listening you can find us on soundcloud google play and anchor under the kevin johnson program And once again, thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you at the next episode. Take care.